This episode is brought to you by freedadcourse.com. You are always one conversation away from changing your life, and the power of hello is something that I subscribe to every single day, and I'm always saying hello to new people everywhere I go. Increasing your opportunity, increasing your connection, and getting access to the solutions to the problems that you are facing, whether you're on active duty or just beginning your veteran transition or even transitioning out for 20 years. On the other side of hello are the solutions that you're looking for. Again, head on over to freedadcourse.com. Get your five-episode audio course to create more connection, create more friendships, and get back to living the life that you're trying to design. Swimming towards my dad, uh, I hear my dad yell for help. And my dad had a deep, booming voice. And this yell for help was like a, a whimper. And... I just was thinking I've got to get to my dad as fast as I can. And and eventually I got there. And by the time that I got there, uh, and it wasn't like that long of a swim, but um, it was long enough for my dad to be underneath the water and be unconscious. Dory one, this is fire team Delta. Dad's coming home. Welcome to the military veteran dad podcast, where it is our mission to bring every dad home. I am your host, Ben Colloy. I'm a United States Marine veteran, husband, and a father. We will bring authentic conversations to inspire action in your life so we can close the gap between the dad you are today and the dad you want to be tomorrow. This is the Military Veteran Dad Podcast. Welcome back to Military Veteran Dad, episode 104. Before we get started with this week's episode, I got a big announcement that I'm going to pause the podcast until the beginning of the new year. So that what that means for you is there will not be a new episode dropping until Monday, January 1st, 2021. Doing it for a couple of reasons. One, this year has been absolutely crazy. And I would just like to pause the podcast, give myself the space of these next two weeks to really just be with family, focus on what matters and create some deeper connection that isn't necessarily pulling back from work and moving forward with the podcast at the same time and trying to find space with my family as well. So the next two week is going to be paused. And so with that, if you would like to check out some of the best episodes of Military Veteran Dad, I've gone ahead and in the show notes for this episode are four episodes that are some of the most downloaded podcast episodes between Fatherhood Friday and interview shows of the entire two-year season. Because on January 1st, it is also the two-year anniversary of Military Veteran Dad. So with that, go in the show notes, catch up some on some of our best hits, because if you maybe found the podcast in the last few months, maybe you have not gone back and listened to some of the earlier episodes, because there is always so much truth being dropped on this podcast. Sometimes it just can be overwhelming to try to listen to them all. So go check out the top four episodes of this podcast in the show notes. and. Let's get into today's episode with Blake Brewer. So Blake Brewer is a friend that came to my life on Facebook, as we talk about in the interview, and his story of how his life changed when he was 19 really impacted me, and I know it's going to impact you. I'm just prepping for this episode. It was deep in my heart of how much truth Blake was revealing and was connecting in my heart. I share some of my story on this podcast as well that relates to his story. And there, so you get to know a little bit more about me, and you get to know a lot about Blake because he lays his heart right wide open on the line. He's gone through so much of life. He's got three kids under five. He knows what it's like being a father with trying to do it all and try to provide and do everything that is fatherhood in 2020. And I know you're going to absolutely love this episode. So enough of me rambling. Let's get started with this week's episode with Blake Brewer. And if you want to hear my big takeaway of this episode, as always, stay tuned for the other side. Welcome to the podcast, Blake. Ben, what is going on, my man? I'm so glad to be here. I've been looking forward to this conversation all week. Uh, I feel like from our previous conversations that we line up a lot, very similarly. I do. And I love connecting with dads when you have that initial synergy and you're just like, there's been many dads. There was one dad that was just on. And I remember in the interview, we were like, we should have been friends for like 10 years ago because we we got so much ground to make up and you were definitely in that category. And I want to say you were like a Facebook friend suggestion. And then you started posting a course and challenge that you had. And so then I commented on it and then essentially it was born out of that. And I can't tell you how many friendships that are great friendships today were born out of comments between LinkedIn or Facebook. And I think this will be a perfect example of another one as well. Yeah, we can get, and I can get really frustrated at social media and all the negative parts about it. 
but there are, it is great to connect with people. And I try to use it for that. I mean, I have a story where I had a Facebook friend um, come into my life in like November of last year. And six months later, I ended up spending $3,000 in a coaching course that he offered. So like in some cases, these suggestions can get really expensive too. <laughs> well, shoot, I, I'm going to see if I can uh, figure out some way I can get $3,000 from you <laughs> now that I know you're willing. <laughs> it was the right time. And it was, uh, it was right in quarantine. It was like before quarantine hit. So it was all kind of just the right season and the right uh, feeling. To, and it was essentially was, it was called the fearless father program of just identifying your fears and learning how to walk through them. But go ahead and unpack your family a little bit because you do have a interesting story of how you got here today. And even go back to the beginning where your your story of what makes you who you are today and how you lead your life today, where that really took a turn for the worse. But then also in this case, looking backwards, it really took a turn for the better. Yeah. Well, let me just start off by sharing about my family right now. I've got a five-year-old daughter, a three-year-old son, and a three-week-old son. And the thing that probably sets my family apart from anybody right now is my wife gives birth to huge babies. They come out as toddlers. My daughter was nine pounds, 12 ounces. Then my son was 11 pounds, three ounces, 24 inches long. And it was a very dramatic event. Um, and then my son that was just born was nine pounds, 13 ounces, but we took him 10 days early. Cause my wife was like, heck no, I'm not going through that again. So, but we have a blast, man. Uh, I love being a father. Uh, my, my son is already learning how to play football and baseball. And then I'm at other times I'm dancing with, with my daughter uh, around the house. So, uh, it's a blast. Um, but as far as growing up in my family, uh, I had a, a brother and a sister and a mom and a dad who grew up in Texas. My dad was my football coach, my baseball coach. And, uh, we had a pretty good relationship. And then when I was 19 years old, um, I had a, a tragedy, um, that I experienced with my father that I hope that nobody else has to experience what I experienced May 23rd, 2003 in Hawaii. Uh, my mom had planned a lot of vacations for us growing up to the Florida, to Colorado, but this was to Hawaii, Ben. And we were like, this was like our pinnacle vacation. And I had just finished my freshman year of college and we jumped on a plane. We were so excited to get over there. I remember the first day that we were there, uh, we put all the brochures on the kitchen table and we were trying to decide what we we're going to go do. And I'll never forget it because my dad made a joke and my dad was not the funny guy. Uh, I mean, every once in a while, but like uh, he, we saw this brochure for a moped and my dad just kind of mocked himself riding a moped. And this was funny because my dad was this like really large man. He was 6'3", 230. He played tight end in college and then got drafted by the Atlanta Falcons and was actually Terry Bradshaw's tight end at Louisiana Tech, caught Bradshaw's first touchdown pass. They were roommates. Uh, I have this really cool picture actually of uh, Bradshaw and my dad and President Nixon in the Oval Office because senior year they got invited up there together. So my dad, uh, you, you know, was, was not going to ride a moped. And so, <laughs> so we decided to go, uh, to the beach and go to Hanama Bay. And if you've been to Hawaii, you know, this is uh, one of the most beautiful places in the world. And as soon as we got there, we jumped in the water. I mean, we were ready to get out in the water and go snorkeling and, uh, we saw some beautiful fish, uh, saw a beautiful sea turtle and Ben, it was just like, I just remember like, like yesterday because it was so cool. I just remember thinking, man, I'm hanging out with my dad and there was just something about hanging out with your dad. I had been gone at college for a year. And so it was just cool to be with him and him and I were both, uh, adventure seekers. And so we just kept going further and further out in this bay. And kind of going down, if you can picture a horseshoe, we were going down the right side and we get to the spot where the water is a little bit um, more treacherous and the waves pick up. And now we're in an area that I now know is called Witch's Brew. And I uh, pick my head up out of the water and I'm looking for my dad and I'm like, where'd my dad go? And I see him trying to get out of the water 
uh, up on this rock. And it was kind of the closest place to get out of the water where we were, but it was not a good place to get out of the water because the waves were just crashing against it. And I remember thinking this, this isn't good. Like, why is he trying to get out right there? And sure enough, as he was uh, about halfway up the rock, this wave crashes against my dad, knocks him back down in the water. And I'm thinking, okay, I got to get over there uh, and see if I can help him. And as I'm swimming towards my dad, uh, I hear my dad uh, yell for help. And my dad had a deep, booming voice. And this yell for help was like a, a whimper. And I just was thinking, I've got to get to my dad as fast as I can. And, and eventually... I got there and by the time that I got there, uh, and it wasn't like that long of a swim, but, um, it was long enough for my dad to be underneath the water and be unconscious. And so at this point, my mind is racing and I know that I have to get my dad to the shore as fast as I can. And so I put my arms around him and I'm doing the best that I can to keep his head above water. And I've got to get around that big rock to the beach and, I'm just swimming with him, barely making any progress. And I would say by the grace of God, uh, there was a snorkeler in the area and he saw us struggling and he, uh, swam over to us and he took over for my, for me swimming with my dad. And I was able to swim to shore. And to be honest, if he hadn't showed up, I would have probably stayed with my dad. I don't think I could have left him and I didn't have the energy to keep going. Um, and so as I got to shore, the lifeguard was on his surfboard going out to get my dad. They, they brought him to shore. And I just remember them doing CPR to my dad on the shore. And I was next to my dad on my knees, just kind of looking towards the sky, just praying to God, uh, God, will you save my dad? Um, and I, you know, in the movies where when they're doing CPR to somebody and the water just kind of gurgles out of their mouth and they kind of snap to their eyes come open. I was, I was expecting that to happen at, at any moment. And my mom and sister were on the beach and they kind of saw the commotion where we were. And they said, Hey, that was the area that dad and Blake were in. And so they run down and, you know, as they're getting closer, they can see what's going on. And I just never, I'll never forget the look on my mom's face as she came up to me. And I said, mom, I, I don't know what happened and it's not good. I, I don't think dad's going to make it. And they loaded my dad up into the ambulance and took him to the hospital. And we got a phone call about 15 minutes later that they had pronounced my dad dead. And, you know, at this point I'm like, what in the heck just happened? Because I was literally having one of the best days of my life. And in a matter of moments, my life has changed forever. And my dad has literally just died in front of me. We go to the hospital and my dad is laying there in the hospital bed you know, swimsuit on, no shirt on, of course. And I'm just thinking like, surely he is about to wake up. Um, but of course he wasn't. And we go back to the condo and I'm on the back bedroom and I'm just weeping and crying and trying to figure out what in the heck just happened. And, and I was asking a lot of the questions of like, like, God, how did you allow this to happen? Um, is there, is there even a God? Um, those types of things and just trying to figure out what just happened. And my mom comes into the room and she says, Hey, I just got this out of your dad's suitcase. And he's been working on this for the last couple months and he just finished it. And it was, he's going to give it to you on this trip. And it was a letter. And my dad had never written me a letter before in my life. Um, I had no idea he was working on this letter. My dad had no idea that he was about to die when he wrote this letter. And so I'm sitting there hours after my dad's death, reading this letter of basically it was a letter of encouragement to me. It was a, a, a letter where he shared with me, you're going to face trials in life and you need to persevere. Um, in this letter, he encouraged me to have courage and to keep fighting and to stand for uh, what you believe in and to live with a purpose. Um, the last line of this letter, I'll, 
never forget. Obviously, I won't ever forget any of this letter, but the last line said, you might be in the minority here on earth for your faith, but I assure you that in heaven, you'll be in the majority. Love your dear old dad in Christ Jesus. And so by reading that letter, I just, in that moment, I just had such a peace about everything. Um, and obviously it didn't change the fact that I absolutely missed my dad. And really for the next year of my life, I mean, I was like, I went to bed every night, like in tears, uh, missing my dad and every conversation I had with somebody, I was just thinking about my dad and thinking, does this person know about my dad? Um, but that letter that my dad wrote me, um, allowed me to get through. Cause really that next year in my life, as I was feeling so much pain, I really could have tried to escape that pain in a lot of ways that, that most of us escape pain, um, you know, through drugs, alcohol, or you know, whatever those things are, I could have easily have done those things, but I actually, I did not do that. Like I, I, um, leaned in more, um, on my friends and my faith and really developed more as a person I'd ever done. And I don't think I could have done that without my dad's letter and his voice really still guiding me. And to this day, that letter is still guiding me, uh, 18 years later. And, uh, even as I've gotten married and have kids, like the letter takes on new meaning to me and is still, my dad's voice is still pushing me forward to persevere, to have courage, uh, to live with a purpose, live with a mission. So I'm incredibly thankful for that letter. <laughs> so as the person listening to this story, I've read it on your website and now hearing it in person, it's really impactful because you're not a military dad, but what you talked about there with this, with this letter and what you now have as the legacy challenge, which is the big reason you're here because we talk about legacy all the time. And essentially your story is the epitome of why legacy matters. And this idea of writing a letter is something I would almost encourage every military dad to do because every dad has a chance to maybe not come home from wherever they're going or even something as simple as a training accident that these words are essentially a blueprint for them to go out and live their life. I wrote down probably like 10 questions while you were doing that story. So I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to get to them. But the one that I wanted to go to first is what words do you still hear your dad say in the back of your head when you're lost? And like, what are the big words that like that voice in the back of your head? Like, what would dad do? Like, what words do you often hear repeated when you ask a hard question about life right now? Yeah, I think it's some of the ones I already mentioned, which is uh, to persevere, to live with a purpose. Um, and really just this idea that you're going to face trials, like you should kind of expect it just this idea of just, uh, like, you're going to make it like things are going to be okay. And really that's what I learned through that, through that whole situation with my dad's death was as much as I miss my dad, like life has gone on and just also realizing too, that, you know, everybody is going to face like I was no different. Like everyone faces those hard things in their life. Like everyone has people that died. Like all of our parents are going to probably die before us. My dad died sooner than I thought he would. It was, you know, it was in a tragic way. And I definitely like had to battle, like, like replaying that over and over and over again. In my, I can only my imagine mind. that help how, how long that played probably still does in, in certain times where you hear that help. And, you know, I, I played through in my mind, like, what if we wouldn't, wouldn't have swam out that far? What if we, um, you know, what if I had held my dad's head different? Like, what if, what if I, when I was holding my dad up, his head wasn't above the water? Like just questions like that, that anyone would, um, might ask themselves. But I, I really believe that even as I asked those questions that I, um, didn't feel like an over, I didn't feel guilty about it. Um, which I think I, it'd be natural for some people to feel that way, but, um, I just really had a piece about the whole situation. And I think, um, I think my dad's words, you know, you already touched on, but the power of a letter is, man, it's written down. <laughs> and so you can go back to that letter and read it over and over. But I would also say this too, before I even read that letter and I knew when my mom was handing it to me and she said, Hey, your dad's been working on this letter for a couple of months, you know, a couple of months. 
that was a, it didn't even matter at that point what the letter said, like knowing that my dad spent a couple of months of his life writing a letter to me. I don't know what else he could have been doing with his time. He could have been watching TV, you know, but he gave up that to write this letter to me. Like, man, did my dad love me? Man, he absolutely loved me. Like what dad takes a couple months to write a letter that doesn't love his children. And so, you know, now that I know all the data and the research that when a dad, or I should say, when a person feels loved by their dad and knows that their dad loves them and is proud of them and affirms them, uh, it builds so much confidence into a person's life. Their emotional IQ is so much higher and you're just more likely to be successful in life that, I mean, I genuinely believe the most powerful voice on the planet is your father's voice. And it, you know, for dads, a lot of times it's, it's really hard to communicate exactly what we're feeling. It's really hard to communicate to our children what they need to hear. And we think that we're doing a good job by just financially providing for them. But all the research shows, I mean, we need more from our fathers than just for them to provide financially. And, and really the world and our culture is lying to us um, when it says a father isn't needed. Like absolutely, the father is the most important voice. So when a father writes a letter and then puts those words down on, onto a piece of paper, man, it's, it's unbelievable what it can do in someone's life. I mean, you're talking about something like on a 10 X scale of impact, even a dad putting four words in your kid's lunchbox, you're going to make the kid feel like they won the lottery. And like those little feelings are, are so impactful. I remember Larry Hagner, who you were on his podcast, he shared a post maybe like three years ago that he was writing letters to his kids of just how thankful he was and just letting him know how much he loved them. And then he was cleaning his son's room one time and he found a shoebox of those letters and he had no idea he was, his son was saving those letters. And he didn't really realize the impact that he was already doing. And in, I don't know if he brought this up when you were doing the interview, but he probably felt like I need to go bigger with this idea. Like I had the blueprint, but I probably need to go a little bit bigger. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. I wasn't in uh, the Marines like you. And so I'm not, a, and I'm not a sailor, but I do know here's an analogy I share with people is, is the power, the power of a father's voice. Um, if you and I were to go down to Florida and let's say we're going to sail to the Virgin islands and the wind was not with us and the wind was against us, we could still, still figure out how to get the sailboat down to the Virgin islands. Like you can go crisscross back and forth, back and forth. And you can get the, it, it'd take a while it'd take a lot of work, but we could still get down there. Um, and so that's the way it is when someone doesn't have a father in their life or a good father or a father that's connecting with them or a father speaking into their life. Like, can you still make it in life? Yes, you can still make it. It's a lot harder work. Um, you can, there can be other people that can speak into or give wind into your life. But when a father speaks into someone's life, it's like, it's like if you and I were on that sailboat and it was like the perfect wind into our sail that just pushed us so much. We'd get there so much faster, so much easier. And when a father speaks it, it's, it's almost as a father myself, I forget. And it's so easy to just like go through like the mundane things in life, like, and then forget like how powerful my words are to my children and how much they need to hear from me. And I think that's the message every father needs to hear. Like, like it does not matter where you currently stand with your children. If you don't have a relationship at all, um, a story that I love a guy named Victor Marks, uh, who was a Marine, but he, his father was not present in his life at all. And when Victor was 25 or 26 years old, Victor gets a letter from his father. And this letter starts off as dear son. And Victor says, what I am, who are you to call me dear son? I'm not your son because that's the type of relationship. They didn't have a relationship, but this, uh, his dad had gone through a life change and basically shared in this letter and a, to Victor and apologized for a lot of things and just told him how much he loved him and all of these things, man, it was a life changing letter for Victor Marx. He actually became a Christian after that letter because it, what had happened was his dad became a Christian, wrote the letter, Victor becomes a Christian. And now he's doing amazing things all over the, over the world. Uh, you know, helping people with PTSD. He's, he's rescuing child, uh, 
girl or girls and boys who are caught up in child sex trafficking. And it's all because of his dad's letter and his dad, anyone could have said those things to Victor, but it was because his dad said those things and said his was proud of him. So it's like, Ben, I could tell you, man, you're doing amazing. Like this podcast that you're doing, like, Ben, this is awesome. Like, this is so cool that you're putting this together. And you could be like, okay, man, that's, thank you, Blake, for sharing that. But if your dad says that to you and he says he's proud of you, man, like you said earlier, 10 X, like it's totally different. <laughs> I wholeheartedly agree. And there's different times where my dad has spoken different words. Cause he's never, I would say he said anything that's kind of been big reaffirming. He was always one that just led by his actions and you kind of got to put the pieces together, but there have been those moments where it's very validating. And I made the newspaper last year about this time for veterans day. And apparently it was this article, the way the reporter wrote it and my dad reading it because they get the same paper and my mom texted me and, and she was like, dad finally gets what it is that you do. Cause I've been doing it up to a year by almost by that point. And he hadn't understood what I was doing yet. And this article helped him understand what it is that I do and why I was doing it. And you thought that was pretty cool that you're, yeah, I thought it. that was like, wow. I, I wonder what did I do differently that I couldn't communicate that to him, but it nevertheless, the feeling came from that and just being understood as a son, a daughter, like that is so important. And there's advice that I often give to dads that aren't part of their kid's life, that whether maybe a divorce that has gone haywire. And in the military space, a lot of dads don't get to see their kids. The, the mom takes the kids from them and there's just a whole bunch of baggage and a whole bunch of drama that goes with it. And they don't get to be a part of their kids' lives. And the best advice is kind of based on yours. I didn't really realize it, but open a Gmail account, keep the password, open an email address. And every time you want to speak to your kids, maybe it's an incident and you want to share your side. Maybe it's a moment that you observe, but you weren't able to communicate to them because they're too young, or maybe you don't have access. Just write an email to them, to this email address that you opened and just say what's on your heart. Maybe it's a picture that you want to share about your life or a story. And then when they're old enough, give them the password because then they essentially have this biography and storybook of who their dad was and what it was like from his side and what he saw. And because oftentimes, like if your dad would have happened, say at nine, and maybe he even gave you the letter at nine, there's still a lot of wisdom that's missing. Like you still need to be able to see and be led by your father and not having that from a, maybe a dad that's not part of their life at all. That can be just as impactful giving the kids a blueprint of this is who dad was when like, it's such a powerful thing when they know who dad is even because most dads don't even share their own stories. So they, they hide behind, they don't think their life's interesting or whatever. And most, I mean, I barely know my dad. I remember it was like, I don't know, six months ago at Easter, my dad was like, Oh yeah, growing up, I had like a hundred rabbits in the barn and we would always sell them at Easter time. And I was like, I never do that. Never once did he talk about being this entrepreneur in middle school, selling rabbits and making money doing it. I was like, that life lesson would have been good because I might have been able to figure something out to make money. And he never, he didn't even think of, he didn't even really realize the impact of it when he did share it. But I was like, I would have liked to know that story a long time ago. That's, that's, I feel like pretty common with a lot of us. You know, you shared earlier that your mom was the one who called you and, and shared what your dad thought about that newspaper article. And I feel like my mom did that a lot too. And every time my mom would tell me, Hey, your dad thought you played really good in that football game or, you know, you know, something else. And, you know, I think that's pretty common because dads don't know how to communicate. Like, why didn't your dad pick up the phone and call you and tell you that? It's like, no, he told your mom. And then your mom told you that's very common. It's nothing against your dad. But uh, I do think as dads, we can pick up our game. Like, like we can communicate to our children um, those things. And just because our, our dad didn't do it, isn't an excuse for us not to do it. And really that's one of the things I'm, I'm doing with this legacy letter challenge. You know, when a dad goes through this four weeks with me, um, we talk through those things and we get it all in the letter. And there's four different sections that we talk through from the three things that your children absolutely need to hear from you. You know, a lot of dads don't know that. It's like, well, I'm going to help you get that into the letter. And, you know, I love you. I'm proud of you. And I believe in you. I'm going to help a dad uh, think through uh, apologies and regrets and make sure that um, he expresses them in a way, in a way that his child can receive it. Um, we're going to talk through memories. Like it can be really powerful when a father shares memories that he had of his children. So I really help a dad think through, Hey, what, you know, what are the memories that you want to share? But 
so this all gets in the letter, but this process of going through all those things, this just happened in this last month with the dad. He's like, I wasn't very good at sharing those things. I, my thoughts around, like, obviously I love my kids, but my thoughts were just not organized to be able to share it. And now going through this process of writing this letter has now organized my thoughts so that now I can now share them verbally over, over their life. And something else about my, my dad's story is, so I grew up on a farm and my dad took over the farm from my grandpa. So he lived and grew, I grew up on the same farm that my dad grew up. And so it was just his family farm. We still have it. My dad still farms, but my grandpa built a house at the end of our driveway. And so my grandma and grandpa moved from where I live to down to build the house. So my dad, my grandpa was always up on the farm every single day up to like four years old. And one morning he had a heart attack in the milk house and he was rushed to the hospital. And next thing you know, it was over. And I don't remember anything about that. I have very few memories of my grandfather and my dad's never really talked about him. And I've often wondered like, what did that look like? Like I've, I've even almost have a moment of myself thinking about like, how am I going to go to my dad's farm and do chores if something happened to my dad? Like, I can't even imagine what it was like for him to walk through that milk house the next day, or even that evening and just be like, man, dad's not here and have to go through that. Like I got no emotional connection to that and he's never talked about it either, either. Um, I've tried probing around it, but I haven't really been able to to crack that. But that is something that I, I'm very curious about because even just summer, I was sitting on the bench with my dad. I think we were unloading hay and we got done and I was like, hey, is there, tell me about grandpa. I don't really know much about him. What kind of man was he was? He really did. He was taken back by the, the question because he's like, I don't know how to answer that. He, he was a hard worker and he just put his nose to the grinder and he realized that work sets you free and you just keep doing what you need to do every year. And like, I'm like, there's gotta be more to him. What kind of man character stories. And I mean, the only one I really remember is the people would talk about when he broke his leg and he was, we had milking cows and everybody else had to pick up the slack because grandpa broke his leg and he couldn't go, obviously go out to the barn every morning and milk the cows anymore. Like those are the only real bits and pieces of that story. And oftentimes I feel like I'm missing out on a huge portion of, what it means to be a killoy because I don't know how the men before me lived. Well, I think what you're doing though is good. And because I do think it is important for us to know the stories of our family uh, before a hundred years ago, like it was very common to, you knew the stories of your family, um, you know, generations back and your identity as a child, you know, you're trying to, everyone's trying to figure out who am I? Well, it was very much like your last name and your family and Hey, this is who we are. Well, that's in our culture, the way that we live now, it's not, we don't have that. And so our identity as a child, you end up, you're looking for your peers to tell you who you are. And that's not good. That's not where we're supposed to find our identity uh, from our peers, but really should come from our family and from our father. And so a father has the ability to tell his children, Hey, no, this is who you are. And when your father is telling you who you are, it just gives you so much more confidence going forward in life. There was one question I was going to ask as well that I wrote down before your dad passed. Did you feel like you were having the conversations that you wanted to have, or did you feel like there was like without that letter, you would have had a list of unspoken conversations that would have eaten you up a little bit? Yeah. So the way that I've said it is I would, when I got into middle school and then high school, and then I went to college for a year, you know, I was doing my own thing and I, you know, wasn't hanging out with my dad a lot. I was hanging out with my friends. And so I, I what I say is, man, I, I didn't really get to know my dad as an adult. Like if it's like, if I'd only known my dad as an adult, I could have asked him some of those questions and we could have talked more and talked at, at that level. Um, but to be honest, um, that's really making an excuse for my dad. Uh, cause I think my dad could have connected with me more. And I've, I've actually talked to my mom about it. And she said, yeah, when you were like elementary school and younger, your dad was a, was a, a like really good, like hung out with you guys all the time. And it just, something happened as you guys got older. It was like, he didn't know how to connect with you guys as much anymore. And obviously when you're a kid, you don't, you don't really know. Right. Uh, but now that I'm older and I can reflect back and I can kind of, I can see that. Um, but there was the last year of his life when I was at college, he did call me two or three times and 
my mom was like, you remember that? She's like, yeah. Cause she, he kept asking me, Hey, how's Blake doing? How's Blake doing? Cause I, I'd always talk to my mom and she was like, you call him, you call and ask him how he's doing. Um, so I'm appreciate, appreciative that she did that. And I'd look back, there's a lot of good things that my dad did. And I think it was my mom that, <laughs> that was putting him up to it. And so I think a lot of times when you see a good man, you do see a, a good woman behind him. <laughs> Amen. And there, you reminded me of a story that during boot camp, and this is where I know that I am loved and um, all the things that you talked about in your letter. That when I was in boot camp, so I'm there's no military tradition in my family. I just did it, and I almost went to the Air Force, so I went the opposite and decided to go to the Marine Corps. And so in boot camp, you get to write your letters. That's like the only communication you have. And I didn't know anything about these letters when they were coming home. And through what I didn't know at the time when I got home, eventually when I came home. And I was boot camp from August to November. So I was in, it was fall season, harvest season, stuff like that. And the moment a letter came in the mail, like it was a check from the government for $10,000. It might as well have been because the letter would, she'd drive it down to him in the combine because he would want to read it immediately. Like it was this big fanfare that Ben sent a letter in the mail. And I didn't know this either because I spent most of my time in Okinawa that for those four years, my sister was super annoyed because everywhere my dad and my family went, all they were talking about was stories about Ben, what Ben was doing, all these random things. And I, it never, I never felt like that, like when I was growing up or anything, but like there are clues when you do look. And I initially didn't realize what that really meant, even to just a couple of years ago when I started reflecting back and like, yeah, that was there. I just really wasn't acknowledging. It. And sometimes you just have to open your heart in order to receive these moments. Cause like you, I'm sure once you start looking back, and allow yourself to move through the pain and no longer look through like, damn dad, why didn't you do more? You really look like he did. You just being able to able to see what was actually being given. Well, absolutely. And here's the thing that I tell dads is naturally we want to see our dads as the hero. Uh, so even when as dads were coming up short and maybe we even feel some guilt about that, um, we should know that our children, they still need us and want us, and they still give us the benefit of the doubt a lot of the time, most of the time. And so we're still the hero. We're still our children's hero, even when we've, when we know we're not living up to the expectations that we could be. And so it is absolutely never too late uh, to really, really be that hero and really connect with our children. Like, I don't care if a kid is one-year-old, five-year-old, or if you're 50 years old and your 70 year old dad starts speaking into your life. And I mean, I had a 55 year old dad the other day tell me it was, no, he was in his seventies, but his dad was, he was 55 when his dad told him for the first time that he loved him. And he described the moment, like every detail where he was sitting on the couch. Why? Because it was so impactful because he was 55 and he was still cherished this moment that is, that his dad said that. And then his dad gave him some advice never go to bed angry with your wife. He was on a second marriage. said, never go to bed angry with your wife. And he go, and this guy told me he's in his seventies. Now he said, since my dad told me that I've, I've never done that. Like my wife and I, like, like we make up whatever before we go to bed. And he goes, you know, anyone could have told that guy that, but it's because his dad told him that and gave him some advice that his dad's voice was in the back of his head. Every time he got into a fight with his wife, it was like, no, I need to get make, you know, I need to reconcile this with my wife right now. Cause his dad, his dad's voice was there. That's how important the dad's voice is. It's, it's a true magic power that dads don't really connect to. And for a lot of generations, like especially in the last 100 years, most dads were just defined by the work they did and the money they brought home. And what we're talking about is this whole other energy and strength you can bring to a child's life. And there's something that I've, I've talked to several kids that had their parents kill themselves at a young age. And this is a very evident within this idea of kids need to feel loved by their father, because there's one particular dad that his dad killed him when he, or killed himself when he was 14 years old. And there was a question that most kids who have their parent, one of their parents kill themselves gets haunted with. Why didn't my dad love me enough to stay? What was so bad about me that I wasn't worthy enough to receive his love any longer? And that question haunts them for forever until they can recognize it, may move through it or reframe it. And 
all, sometimes it's running in their subconscious and it's showing up in all the different relationships. They're protecting themselves because they don't want to get hurt in that same way. But there's so much power that can come from when a father shows up and reminds their kids that I love you. And when you mess with that energy, you can really just make this, this scar on their heart that never heals properly. Yeah, you're absolutely right. We all have things that have happened to us in our life. There's all, we all have experienced a set of events. There's these facts that have happened in our life and subconsciously every single one of us do this because we love stories. We make up a story about that event. So for the guy who his dad committed suicide, he made up a story, very natural. We would all do this, that my dad doesn't love me. Um, and so that was the story that he was telling himself, I don't know this guy's personal story, but you know, if that is true, that's the story he was telling himself the rest of his life. Well, then that becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy because this is not a, this story is not serving himself. So all of us, we have to get rid of these negative stories that we're telling ourselves because there'll be a, a self-fulfilling prophecy. One of the things, a story that I've been telling myself for the last 10 years is that I'm not a speaker. I can't public speak. And it's because of some of event that happened 10 years ago that I, I did, I bombed, I did horrible. And somebody said something and said, so for the rest of the time, like, oh, I can't speak. I'm not a speaker. And then I realized this past year, man, I got to get rid of that story and exchange that story out for something else for the positive story that I can speak. Well, the power of a father, because we all have these stories that are kind of in our foundation um, that we've made up about different events that have happened in our life. And the father has the power to um, help a child or help anyone exchange, help their children exchange those stories out with stories that serve them. So if a person is sitting there thinking, Oh, I'm not good. Or I'm, you know, I'm not worthless or, or I'm worthless or I'm not pretty. Maybe a girl thinks that, well, the father can come in. He can just rip it right out. And rip say that's like, you're beautiful. You're perfect. You're so great. Like, man, I, I recognize how you've, you know, yeah, you're making straight C's. You're not a straight A student, but um, man, I am so proud of you because I see how hard you have worked to get those straight C's. I see you persevering and, uh, and you just changed the story for that, for that person who was down on themselves for getting straight C's. Yeah, it's, it's, it's exactly what you're talking about. And I want to pivot to an idea that many veterans get hung up on. And it's literally like a landmine that we step on and we continue. It's like Groundhog's Day over and over. And that's when we do have a pain enter our heart. And for most veterans, it's a, a friend or someone in their family that maybe didn't come home from war, that they lost a friend to suicide, not just maybe even suicide, but most likely over in Iraq or Afghanistan. And they haunt themselves with questions like, why did I live? and they die. And these questions never have answers. And these are the reasons why many dads don't come home to their families. And it's led to the biggest kind of my thesis for this podcast is that many dads get stuck in what did my service mean? What a legacy of that is and forget that the real legacy, the generational legacy is the legacy of your family. So the question I want to ask you is when you had this pain enter your life that you started asking questions that only have a rabbit hole of going dig deeper and deeper and deeper. And you have this letter which is kind of like your path to get out. What did this pain start to reveal within you that maybe at the time without this event, you wouldn't have been able to see it come to fruition in a certain way? That's a great question. And I have to really think back to what I was thinking during those times, but, you know, absolutely that, you know, I could have started thinking, man, I, I, you know, I can't live without my dad or I can't, um, you know, I'm the one who caused my dad's death. Now my mom doesn't have a husband. Um, and look at what has happened to my family. Um, you know, I think I could have just let that guilt take over. Maybe go a little bit deeper and think about what character traits do you have today that started to be revealed in the years to come after that letter being written? Because that pain started to reveal things. Like when you learn to go through the pain, when you learn to do the the emotional work to to process that pain, that pain creates growth, and that growth creates that positive change that you are the man you are today. Well, I I do think one of the things that happened is I began to develop empathy uh, for people um, because I started to realize the pain that I was experiencing, and you know, and then it just kind of hit me. I was like, you know, I think other people are experiencing pain too. And sure enough, uh, I would ask people like, we would just kind of get there in conversation because I had this pain in my life. And so, and to be honest, I was, 
you know, I know, I know a lot of people don't like talking about um, kind of traumatic things, but I, is if someone was willing to listen, like genuinely cared, I didn't mind talking about it. And I appreciate all those people in my life that allowed me to talk about it. Cause I think it was really healing. I think, I think we have to talk about these things. So then I realized, well, I can pay this back to other people by allowing them to talk about their pain. So there would, there would be times when I would be talking to someone that I can't tell you how many times this has happened where they would be sharing something with me about their parents or something traumatic or a death in their life. And they're like, man, you, what I have just told you, like literally no one else knows, uh, in, in my life, like my closest friends don't even know. Um, but it's because I had empathy and I start asking questions and, and probing a little bit deeper. Um, so I don't think I was not in a spot in my life before my dad's death to do that. And so I developed that, I think also, um, just living with a purpose, um, I, I had no no purpose. I didn't know what I was going to do uh, with my life, um, and then so that gave me a, a pur- purpose and, and a mission. Um, and ultimately, like my faith in God grew um, a lot during that time, and still to this day. Probably wasn't the terminology back then in 2003, which we probably had this massive PTSD moment where you probably avoided the water, like you didn't want to get anywhere connected to it. And the one thing that I've learned interviewing dads about PTSD and and experts about it in this podcast is that it's kind of like a thousand wrench snap on toolbox that you have this massive toolbox, a lot of specialty wrenches. You don't often know what this wrench is for, but then a moment comes into your life, probably a person that shares a story. And then you've got the exact wrench to use to help them get through it. And you only have that wrench because you walk through this big pile of shit. And, and you're like, wow, I wouldn't have been able to have this wrench in my toolbox to get this person to, to walk through the healing process that they did. And even though what I went through sucks, that purpose through that tragedy, and that's the biggest thing that many veterans talk about PTSD is when you can go through what you're going through find the purpose and how you can actually take what's happened to you and make it happen for you. And I mean, Chris Kyle is a good example. When he came home, he was having a hard time. And prior to having his life taken that he was out there helping veterans. Like that was his therapy to find purpose in serving and to find a different way to serve. And that's essentially what you're doing now. You're finding a different way to serve. And what you're talking about also is sharing your story. Anytime you take those thoughts in your head and you verbalize them, it's one of the reasons why I like professional speaking. It's why I have a podcast because I love speaking and I love putting those thoughts to words. You just emotionally put a muscle together that understands how to label what you feel. And if you aren't good at speaking about something, you're just having all these internal self-talk monkey talks that just end in negative conversations because your brain doesn't have the right syntax in your brain to really put that thought together. And the most important part that I want to make sure every dad gets this is when you learn to share a pile of shit, whatever happened to you, like Blake did, there's many dads listening to this that are probably really connected to Blake's story. He just gave everyone a gift, including myself, that permission to go second. And that's the power of vulnerability, that when you open your heart for the world to see, you give other people that maybe are hesitant permission to share their story and walk through their journey. And it's so powerful because that's like the first steps where purpose can be driven from the pain that happened to you. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Like that voice in your head, you know, is telling you, don't tell, don't talk about this, you know, don't share. People aren't going to understand. But then the second you start to share, I mean, it's just so freeing. And then there's always somebody that says, man, I'm so glad that you shared that because I'm, I've been dealing with some of the same stuff, but yeah, I mean, all the, all the studies show that the way, the way to get freedom from anything that you're struggling with, let's say addiction. And I've actually studied um, some pornography addiction and sexual addiction and things like that. And I, I know, I mean, the, the stats are overwhelming that like most guys are regularly looking at porn and um, especially, like, especially younger guys, like 90, 90%. And I know a lot of guys who like, couldn't stop. They didn't even, maybe they were, they were addicted, but they couldn't, st- then they tried to stop and they couldn't. And I, I told these guys, like, you will not get free. Like all of the experts say you will not get free from this unless you talk to someone about it. Like you cannot get free on your own. And so there is just something there that I believe God just kind of made it this way where you have to, you have to talk about it and 
and that's just how it works. Um, so man, I'm, I'm a big time believer in that. And when you learn to talk, like I can't stress enough that ability to talk about what you're feeling, putting those words to it, that something, there was a story that I first heard from Tony Robbins doing at some of his seminars that he'll ask someone in the audience to, to imagine holding a glass of water out in front of them. And in the first few seconds of holding a glass of water straight out in front of you, it's pretty easy. It's not very heavy and your muscles aren't in any fatigue. And you're like, I can do this. I can do it for a minute or two. And then the longer you hold that glass extended, the heavier it gets. And I am convinced that this is essentially what happens with these psychological traumas. The more that you physically take this trauma and stick it out and imagine that glass of water is that trauma, the heavier it gets every single day that you hold on to it. And the moment you let go of that cup, you instantly feel muscle relief. Like it just, it's gone. And like, there's a reason why when people share something like, Oh, I'm glad they got off my chest because that shit matters. And there's another reason that I talk about with just basic dads. And I'm sure you've experienced this as well within your journey of you need friends in your life because without these friends to kind of lean on and text that you're having a bad day or they need to share something or, and I'm sure you've experienced this as well. Like you had your dad's letter, but the power of friendships also is they become the mirror to also reveal things inside yourself. Like when you get good at telling your story, I'm sure as you've told it, people reflect back a breadcrumb that you're like, oh, I didn't really notice that part of what I was saying. And now you've got a whole new perspective. And this is why we need people in our life as well. We are never designed to do life alone with a letter without like you need to try because now that you don't have your dad, you're still going to have days that life's too heavy to carry. And you still need people to text and say like, Hey, can we talk? I'm having a bad day. Absolutely. And I look at, uh, I think every year of my life since then, I've had three or four friends that, um, I've had in my, like right now I have three or four friends in my life right now that I could text or call. Uh, and, and now it's just a part of my life to have those people, um, to share with and, and you know, they share their crap with me as well. So where can, or actually, before I ask that question, what is your parting piece of advice you want to make sure that you drop on dad? So this doesn't have to be connected to legacy. This could be experiment of raising three young kids under five, some piece of secret niche advice that you've learned to live in the instapot of life, of fatherhood, um, whatever it may be, whatever's top of mind, what is your best piece of dad advice to be a good dad? Do everything you can to connect with your children and no matter how much, how good you think you're doing, you can be doing better. Most dads do not get training on how to be a dad, but yet we get trained for everything else in life. We get trained in the military. You get trained at your job and you spend all this time training. Why? Well, of course you get training because how are you going to do your job unless you get trained, but then who trains us to be dads? And so there's no shame in trying to uh, get trained to, to be a better dad. Like, like, the second that my daughter was born five years ago, I wasn't automatically a good dad. <laughs> like I had to learn. I'm still learning how to be a good dad and learning from mentors. I'm reading books. I'm in different communities to learn how to be a, a better dad. So that's my, that's some advice I have. And I love that advice because connection is something and I'm sure you've experienced that. You think you're actually like parenting and being a father to your kids, but in those moments of connection, you're really leading yourself in many ways. Like you're on your own emotional journey. You're figuring out something that you maybe haven't figured out. And kids are such a beautiful way to reconnect to ourselves. They reflect some of the best parts, also the worst parts back to us because they know how to push our buttons. <laughs> but there's so much that can come from creating those awesome moments of connection. So Everybody listening to this podcast episode is probably super excited to write a legacy letter and they probably have no idea where to start. And now we have this exact person in our life that can help us. Where's the best place to get connected with you and learn how to write a legacy letter and transform our child's future before we even know what it's going to look like? Yeah. Any dad can go to legacyletterchallenge.com. It's a four week course. The reason that I may, I'm on a mission to help a million dads. Um, write a letter to their children. And I realized that it wasn't enough for me to just share my story and to inspire dads that I was actually going to have to help dads write the letter because I've never met a dad that doesn't see the value in writing this letter, but then most dads don't, don't, don't ever actually do it. And I think there's a lot of good reasons there. Like it's overwhelming. Um, you know, maybe you, you know, don't know how to, don't write a lot or maybe just life happens. The yard needs mowing. 
Yeah, exactly. Things like that happened. And so I was like, I'm gonna have to create a course that provides some accountability. Hey, I signed up for this course. I paid a little bit of money. And so, okay, now I'm going to get this letter done. But then also through this course, um, I'm going to help dads get the elements into the letter that it's going to have the maximum impact. Because if you're going to spend the time to write the letter, don't you want this thing to have maximum impact so that it can be maximum jet power? We're not shooting for the moon. We're shooting for Mars. Exactly. So that even when you're long gone after this planet, your uh, great grandchildren are reading this letter and they can know about you. They can know what you stood for and you won't be forgotten because your words were written down on a piece of paper. You just reminded me of a podcast episode with Ashley Buggy from last summer where her husband died in a deep scuba diving accident in Hawaii as well. And she was pregnant, I think with six months pregnant with a, a their third child. They had two kids under five, I think maybe four at the time. And he lived his life without a bucket list. Like he PCS to Hawaii, went on a sailboat from San Diego Harbor to Hawaii with five other guys. And that's how he PCS to Hawaii. Like he was always out there. If he wanted to do it, he just did it. And now she's living their life just as the same. When I interviewed her, she was in Poland and they had just visited Auschwitz a few days before. And that is something that they now have a blueprint to live their life. And what you mentioned there of your generation after generation reading these letters, I mean, there is so much power. I think I already hit it on it. But when you can go into a moment, go into your mind, read a document and be like, what would dad do? That is like a superpower that many, I mean, probably very few people you've only been just getting started on. And I'm sure there's not a lot of dads out there that have had a legacy letter written. And so like, that is something that is just something that, like you said, it's not something that's going to get thrown away. This is something that 200 years from now, this is something that people are looking up on Ancestry.com to find their dad's legacy letter. Because hopefully you've not just helped a million, but it's now something part of people's DNA and how they raise their family. Oh yeah. I, I literally think like my contribution to the world and trying to make the world a better place. Like we know the power of fathers, like, like the solution to our country right now is not to get the right guy and to be the president. It's helping fathers connect with their children because if every father was connecting with their children at the level that our children needed, our country would be amazing place, a much better place. And so I think if we start with this letter And we can help fathers through this process, put down on paper, the things that their children absolutely need to hear from them and bring that connection. Cause once you write, write this letter, like, like your children will absolutely cherish it and they're going to see how you feel about them. I mean, I just helped some dads finish their letter last week and man, these guys were just, they just, they're ecstatic. They can't wait. They can't wait to give their letter. And there is, there is no dad who, when they get done, with this process through with the challenge and no dad's going to be like, man, that was a waste of time. Why do I have this letter? It's like, no way. <laughs> like no one is going to regret doing this thing. Have you ever heard of Dr. Meg Meeker? So her book, strong father, strong daughters, like the first like parenting book that I read that really woke me up to a whole new world. And Larry Hagner actually had her at a virtual summit this summer. And she said it brilliantly. Yep. Uh, and she said it brilliantly that the solution to America's problems isn't the stuff that you mentioned or any of the other things that you hear mentioned. Put a dad in every street corner in America and things will start to change because people and kids are looking to be led. And right now, the closest thing to leadership in inner cities is often the gang with the gang leader where they can feel like someone's going to care. And a lot of times gangs do provide the same things that a father can. Most dads just aren't waking up to what they need to do. So Blake, I am absolutely awesome to have you here on the podcast and share, especially like, I mean, this is my thesis for the podcast. So like when you came in my life, I'm like, this is a match made in heaven. So I can't, thank you for your time today. And I can't wait to get this episode out to make an impact and help bring dads back home. Awesome, man. I appreciate it, Ben. And if there's any dad, I mean, I would absolutely love him, love to help him write this letter. So come my way. I will take care of you. I hope the tears did not start flowing as much as they did for me when I was re-recording this episode and really getting into those truth. Because like I said, in the beginning of this episode, there was so much truth revealed. And for me, the big part of what I learned re-listening to this episode and being present with this episode and being friends with Blake now is the power to put words to your pain. There was so much truth to what he was talking about of this deep pain of losing his father when he was 19 and the process of putting words to it through letters and helping other men going on podcasts, sharing his story, getting in touch with his story, understanding how it was always happening for him. To me, that's very similar to my journey. And there is so much truth and healing 
that can come for a dad out there listening that maybe resonated with what Blake was talking about, but really was kind of stuck on the right next step. I think Blake gave us a big gift in this episode to heal what is hurting us and move through it. Because when we put those words to it, there is some power that's lessened on us, but then we also gain a power to move through it and actually help others move through it as well. And again, all those information for everything about Blake Brewer. And if you want to get connected to what he's got going on and learn how he can help you write a legacy letter, go ahead on over to the show notes at militaryveterandad.com and everything will be there. All the links you can get checked out. And like I said, Blake is an amazing person and this episode touched my heart and I hope that it touched yours. And as this is the final episode of the year, I would like to wish everybody a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And with everything that has been going on, I hope you get to connect with some family and just reconnect and create some great memories in the world of chaos that is going around. So without further ado, I will see you on the other side in 2021.